As you know, we were not here last week. Uh, I got a little rambunctious, I guess, and overdid it. And uh, set me back a little bit. Has anybody ever done anything like that? So that's what happened to me. And, uh, but I'm glad to be here with you this morning. God bless you. We are in the book of Revelation. And we have come to a place in the book of Revelation that's a very, uh, very important place. And it's the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation. And it deals immediately, it begins to deal with the subject of the restoration of Israel. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the restoration of Israel, restoring of Israel as a nation uh, that God promised numerous times in the Old Testament. Never was there a time in the Bible that the Lord would pronounce judgment upon Israel and said, because of your sins and transgressions, I'm going to judge you that he did not also say, but I will restore you. I've made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will restore you as a nation. And so that promise still lies. It still lies out there. God has not completed it fully. There is a uh, movement among the Jewish people that they feel like many times that it's up to them to reestablish this restoration. And so in, some, in a part they have, they call it Zionism. Zionism is Israel on their own efforts to try to go back to Israel and rebuild themselves as a nation. As you well know, they've been working on this for a long time. And for, for 100 years, 1947, they had that war in, between Israel and the Arabs. And, and uh, the, Israel became a nation in 1948. I believe it was 1948. 47, 48, one of those two years. They became a nation. And for the first time in hundreds of years, they became a nation. To them, that was the, the restoration. But in the Bible, it teaches that when the full restoration of Israel comes, God will bring all of the Jews and all of the, the word Jew actually comes from the word Judah, which is only one of the tribes of Israel, the Southern tribe, which is where David was from. Uh, but as all the others, 12 tribes altogether, and uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about these things in just a moment. But the uh, restoration of Israel will be all of Israel that will come back. And uh, there is a, there's a twofold view among the Jews. One is that they are restoring the Jews as a religious body of people, Judaism. The other is that they are restoring Jews no matter what religion or what belief that they have. And this is really the basis of Zionism. When we were in Israel a couple, about two or three years ago, several, about four or five years ago now, we had a guide, a woman who was from Russia. She was Jewish and she had migrated to Russia and she was our guide and was uh, for a couple of days, not the whole trip. And uh, we were talking and she started, started talking about the Jews and about Jesus in such a way that she was favorable of Jesus. There's nothing negative about him. Like he, he was not the Messiah type thing. And so I asked her, I said, are you a, mess, a messianic Jew? Which means, are you a Jew who believes that Jesus was the Messiah? Are you a messianic Jew? She says, no, I'm a Zionist. Well, when she said I'm a Zionist, I knew exactly what she was saying. I believe in the restoration of all of Israel. Doesn't matter what they believe. But then others, it's, it's the uh, religion itself, Judaism. Now, uh, 
I want you to go to a scripture. I'll come back to the book of Revelation chapter 11 here a little further on. But I want you to first of all go with me to a scripture found in Romans chapter 11. And uh, chapter 11 in the book of Romans is all about the restoration of Israel. Because many people felt like if God was through with the Jews, then there was no more hope for the Jews at all. And Paul says, no, 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 that's not the way it is. It's only for a season that we Gentiles have our opportunity. And that's why I'm talking to you and I today, because we are in that season where God is working with the Gentiles for the Gentiles to be joint heirs with the Jews of salvation. But we're running out of time. We're coming down toward the end of that. So because of that, and of course there's signs and so forth uh, that tell us that we're coming close to the end and so forth. And I won't get into those things here today, but look in Revelations chapter 11 and verse one with us for just a moment. 11.1, Paul says, I say then, have God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite. Notice that uh, Paul does not say I'm a Jew because a Jew would be specifically from Judah if you were a true Jew in that sense of the word. But he says, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, God hath not cast away his people, verse two. God hath not cast away his people. So he's saying here that God is not done with the Jews. He's not through with them. Now over in verse 17, he said, if some of the branches be broken off, that's talking about the Jews, and thou being a wild olive tree, speaking of us now, the Gentiles. See, Paul was the, was the apostle to the Gentiles. And so he's writing uh, to the Gentiles because he's an apostle to us and the book of Romans is to the Gentile church in Rome. He says, and if some of the branches be broken off, that is some of the Jews did not believe and they have lost out with God. And thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Then he goes on to say, verse 18, boast not thyself against the branches. In other words, don't take a, don't be a smart aleck against the Jews because he goes on to say that God is able to graft them in again, verse 20. Well, because of unbelief, they're broken off and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. And then he goes on to say that God will graft them in again. Now look at verse 25 and this is where we're going here. This is 11, Romans 11, 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery and we talked about the mystery. Paul talked about the mystery. The mystery is the Gentiles and Jews being brought together and that we are joined heirs with Christ in that. And when we come to that 10th chapter of the book of Revelation and we read that verse in that 10th chapter where it says that when the seventh trumpet shall sound that the mystery of God should be finished. It's speaking about this mystery of the Gentiles and the Jews together because then in, in chapter 11, the very next chapter, it starts talking about the Lord dealing with the Jews to bring them back into his restoration. Verse 25, I'm gonna finish reading this. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until, and this is a very important part of it, 
until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, Jesus also used these same kind of, these same words in Luke 21, 24. Luke 21, 24, where Jesus was speaking and he said that Jerusalem would be trodden down to the Gentiles until the time, uh, until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And uh, I was looking to see if maybe they had it. No, that's okay. You don't have to put it up there. That's the verse I was just, just referring to. So he goes on to say here in this verse 25, until the fullness of the Gentile be come in. And that's what we're coming close to the end of now. And it's time for the Lord to come back, time for him to come back for his church and for his people. I want to read the 26th verse. It says, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion that deliver and so forth. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this promise of the restoration of Israel because it was laid out in the Bible and given unto us here in the word of the Lord. I, uh, I want to show you a chart. I'm going to use several charts here this morning. This is a chart of the book of Revelation that I am fully aware that you cannot see that well, even when it's clear on the board on the screen. Now you can, but I understand that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's small letters. But this is the book of Revelation uh, as we would have it on a big, big chart. And in order for everybody to see it, I, on the screen there, I have it broken down into three parts. Part one is this right in here, and this is up through chapter 10 of the book of Revelation. And then the 11th begins here and goes over to chapter 19 over here. This is the restoration of Israel right in here. And so I'm going to show you a chart that deals with this area right in here. And this is what we're going to be looking at here in a few moments when we get, we get to talking, but I want you to notice here that we've got this numbered or listed as Daniel's 70th week, and I'll explain that in a few moments. But it's broken up into two parts, three and a half years and three and a half years. And uh, we just got through talking to you about the, uh, the two prophets that came back, how that they preached for three and a half years, and then they were killed. This was the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation, the beginning of it. Here's where my pen is, the 11th. And then they were, they were revived, and then they were caught up. Immediately after they revived, they were caught up, and the fear of God fell upon them. And then there is a three-and-a-half-year period in which the Antichrist rules the world, and the Jews are God's people that, is, that suffer, or they, <clears throat> they flee and, uh, from the Antichrist, and that's why a lot of that's spoken of and talked about. Excuse me. Amen. All right. Uh, I want you to go with me, if you would, for just a moment. Everybody just stay with me now with this. I want you to go to Daniel chapter 2. And I know some of this is old hat with us, but I'm trying to put it all together here where we can get a fix on it. And uh, I'm going to show you here some things that developed in that Old Testament. I won't read any scriptures there yet, but we'll come back to that in a moment. But when Israel went in and, and possessed the promised land in the very beginning, uh, this is a little bit what it may have looked like. And uh, this is the Sea of Galilee up here. This is the Dead Sea right here. 
This is the Jordan River that floated down between it. Now, all of these colored splotches that you see in here are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is where they settled. And before they went in, God told Moses where they were to go. And when they went in under, under Joshua, they had them settled there. I wished, I wished our light could be better for you. So one of these days we get a stronger one of these machines here. But this is where it was. And this part in here was Judah down in here. It also was Simeon, but Simeon was sort of grafted in with Judah. And Benjamin right here became part of this Judah because it was so close to where my pen is pointing to Jerusalem. Now, this is another map of the same thing. But when Solomon sinned and the kingdom was divided and the Lord said, Solomon, because of your sins, I'm going to divide the kingdom. I'm going to take half of it away from you. I'll leave the southern part to your son, but the northern part will go to your servants. And so the northern part became the tribe of Israel. You see this black line I have drawn right in here. And so this is Judah down in here. And this is, this is Israel, the northern kingdom up in here. And uh, I'm just giving you a map here. Now, to understand that, these two kingdoms operated together from uh, up to about 975, 975 B.C., they operated together as two nations until 721. In other words, they were sister nations together separately and uh, sometimes they even fought each other a little bit, but they would always stand with each other against another outside enemy and so forth. But in 721 BC, there was another kingdom that came down and conquered this northern part because this northern part was more wicked than the southern part. In the southern kingdom, they had good kings and bad kings. In the northern kingdom, they had all bad kings. They went into idolatry. Israel fell away from God. So finally, the Lord said, it's enough. He sent prophets their way, said, get right, talk, you know, walk with God. And if you'll look with us right here, this is Israel right here where I have the red arrow pointing. This is Israel. And uh, you can't hardly see it, but this little small stretch of land right in here is Israel. This is all the Middle East in here. And I'm pointing specifically to the country of Assyria and uh, over here to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Uh, Assyria uh, became a great nation. They conquered everybody around them. They finally came down in here and they conquered Israel, but not Judah, not Judah. The Lord spared Judah. They were not able to conquer Judah. So Judah remained an independent nation, but Israel was conquered. And then they took the people and they scattered them in different places. They took them and put them all out in here in different places, scattered the Jewish people so they could not easily reestablish themselves. And then they took Gentiles and moved them into that northern kingdom and, and let them said, this is where you're going to live from now on. These people became half Jews and half Gentiles, and they were later known in the New Testament as Samaritans, Samaritans. Have to use, have to use. So they had a sort of a conglomerate, a mixed type of religion. Later on in uh, 588 BC, when the, the southern kingdom had gotten even bad shape, worse shape, the Lord finally brought Babylon, which had at the meantime conquered Assyria, and they came over, and then in 588 BC, they conquered then the southern kingdom of Judah and destroyed the temple in 588. So they conquered the city. They had three conquests, 606, 599, and 588 B.C. 
and they conquered Israel, that southern kingdom in Judah. When they conquered it the first time in 606, they took 10,000 of the choice young people of Israel back to Babylon. This was Nebuchadnezzar. He took them all back over there. While he was there, in their very first year there, and I'm reading here in Daniel chapter 2, uh, while they were there, it's either the first or second year of, of Nebuchadnezzar, I forgot which year it was, the second year of Nebuchadnezzar it was, uh, he had a dream and he couldn't get the interpretation. So Daniel prayed and God gave Daniel the interpretation of the dream. And then Daniel gave the interpretation of the dream to be that it was the times of the Gentiles. Remember I showed you that scripture in Romans chapter 11 a while ago. And he said that this is going to be the times of the Gentiles from Babylon on right on down. And he showed them an image that looked like, a, looked like this. I know I'm showing you a lot of stuff here. Just bear with us on it. He showed him an image like this. And he said that this is going to be uh, the times of the Gentiles. Babylon was the first one. And then he went on to say after Babylon, there's going to be another empire called the Media Persian Empire that will conquer the Babylonians. Then the Greeks will conquer the Media Persian. This is a timeline, actually. We could actually take this and turn it up on the side, and it would be like a timeline here going down from 588 B.C. right on going down down. And then he talked about how it gets into the Roman Empire and then it gets into the period of time when Rome rules as a religious power, not so much as a political power, down through the legs. And then the feet and toes has to do with the last days and this has to do with us. And so Rome as a, political, as a religious power still is very powerful and very dominant, as you well know. I won't get into the detail on that. But it takes it from the end. And then what Daniel saw, and I want to point out this, uh, uh, look at verse 34 and 2. Look at verse 34. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. This is speaking of the feet now, iron and clay. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold. This, is the, this was a metallic image. The iron was the legs. The brass was the grease, the silver was the media Persian empire, and the gold here. Then it says, was all of these broken together? This is verse 34. Uh, verse 33, I'll read that. His legs of iron, his feet, uh, I'm sorry. No, verse 35. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the shaft of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. The stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And then, uh, and then he says over here in verse 44, and in the days of these kings, speaking of the early part of this, the early part of these legs here, in the days of these kings shall a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and a kingdom shall be left to other, and it shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And that kingdom is the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus came to bring. This is why John the Baptist came preaching, and he says, you know, repent and get right with God because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It means it's right here at us. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is the same thing. So Matthew uses one term, Luke or Mark uses something, another one perhaps. And so they, they're, 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 either one is, is okay. So the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God was established 
by Jesus Christ. When Jesus came preaching then following John the Baptist, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. And he talked about the kingdom of heaven is like this and like that. And he was describing the church, describing the church. And uh, forgiveness and the kingdom of God is not, uh, is not something that you see. It's not meat and drink. Uh, and it's not offering sacrifices. It's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost is what the Bible says in Romans. So Jesus gave illustrations of parables all through the Gospels on what this kingdom of God is. He was describing the church age. And that would be the church age within this Gentile period of time. Okay, so while the Gentile world kept on being the Gentile world as it is, God had in that Gentile world kingdom, the various kingdoms that would come and go, he had also his kingdom that was on this earth. So his kingdom is on this earth until he comes back. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says that he'll catch us away and take us home to be with him in glory. So I think we all look forward to that coming of the Lord. Let me finish up one more thing here about Daniel. Uh, I won't go into detail here, but in Daniel chapter 9, he gave a little prophecy. The, the, the angel Gabriel came to Daniel and told Daniel, said, Daniel, there's going to be a certain length of time until the Messiah comes. And it's spelled out very clearly. Uh, if you'll go to Daniel uh, chapter 9 for just a moment here, and I'm not going to take much time on this at all. But in verse 24, 924, Gabriel was telling to Daniel, Daniel, here's something you have to understand about this time of the Gentiles and all that. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the, the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Okay. And uh, so then he goes on to say here in verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth that these are weeks of years, not weeks of days, weeks of years. So the seven weeks is, is uh, what, 400 and... 70 weeks is 490 years, 500 years. So what he was saying that from the time, and here's what he says in verse 25, know therefore and understand that from going forth the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, not the temple, but Jerusalem. And I won't get into that date or anything, but there's, speci there's a, speci a specific date that fits this period of time. And it has to do with uh, Ezra. And it goes on to say, they would rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and three score in two weeks, which is, uh, I think, uh, 483 years. Is that right? I'm just shooting off the cuff here. And again, and uh, the streets shall be built again and the walls even troublesome times. So after 70, after 70 years when Jews were in captivity, their temple of Solomon was completely destroyed in 588. Then in 536, the Lord said to the Jews, all right, go back now. And he sent them back. He raised up Cyrus. Gentile king to send them back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. They were very happy about it. And they got back to a living in Jerusalem. But in time, they fell away from God all over again. And this is why John the Baptist came preaching to them and said, this Messiah is here and he is going to lead and guide us. I'm going to stand up, take my coat off, folks. Excuse me. I am hot for some reason. You know what? The temperature outside gets to be the same as inside. And then when it's rainy, the humidity is high and there's no air condition to drain and pull the humidity down and there's no heat to pull down the humidity. All right, thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. All right, thank you for your patience with me here. So 
What happened here was that this uh, John, uh, that, that uh, he understood that. And then finally in verse 26, I'm reading Daniel 9, 26. And just stay with me here a moment. I get to Revelation in a few minutes. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. This is a prophecy that Jesus would be killed, would be, would be crucified, but not for himself. He didn't die for himself. He died for the people. And the people of the prince that shall come, that's speaking of Titus, the Roman prince. And that's exactly what he was. He was a prince. His father was Vespasian who had just become emperor of Rome. And Vespasian had turned the army, the army over to his son, uh, Titus. He said, now go down to Jerusalem and finish conquering all these Jews because they're giving us a lot of trouble. And that's what he did. And, and it says, and the prince of the people that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And that's exactly what they did when they came into Jerusalem. And notice here in the scripture, folks, the scriptures are so exact, it's amazing. And they, the scripture says, the people of the prince shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Because Titus said to them, don't destroy the temple, save the temple. You know, we'll, we'll get inside and we'll conquer the city, but don't destroy the temple. And when he got inside, they started setting it afire. And he said, no, no, no. This is in Josephus. Josephus' writings records all of this. And he literally got out in the streets and told his generals, tell your men not to destroy the temple. And, it's, and Josephus says it was as though they never heard him, as though they were not even words coming out of his mouth. And they went wild and they said they burned the temple to the ground. This was Zerubbabel's, or this was Herod's temple. This was the temple that Jesus was in and the early church was in. This is where the, the lame man in the third chapter of the book of Acts was healed in, all of that. It was destroyed in 70 AD and that was called the destruction of the second temple. And the Jews are very familiar with it, and they want their temple built so badly. The Jews do, they already have furniture and set aside, but the time just hasn't come because the restoration for it has not yet come fully. And uh, I won't go any further than that. I'm gonna wind up with Daniel here. And over in the last chapter of the book of Daniel, this is important, this is how it ties in with the book of Revelation. In the last chapter of the book of Daniel here, uh, Daniel starts asking, you know, when's all this stuff gonna happen? Verse four, I'm looking at 12, four. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, and even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Down in verse seven, Daniel says, I heard the man, man, man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and held up his left hand into heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half a time. Now a time is one year, times, plural, is two years. And a half a time is a half a year. So you've got three and a half year segment here is what it's speaking of. Now, in the book of Daniel, it starts talking suddenly here about times, times and a half a time. Uh, it, it mentions it even earlier in scriptures. In another place, I won't go back and try to find it. But in Daniel, it's spoken three times, I believe it is, three or four times about these three and a half years that are two, seven, seven years. In the book of Daniel, when you count the time until the destruction of the temple, from the time that Israel, when the temple would be destroyed, you only have 69 weeks when you count them up. It's easy to figure it out. And then it talks about one more week at the end of time. And there's gonna be one more week left, one more seven year period. And so in the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation, all of a sudden this comes back into play. 
It's like Daniel chapter 12 ends and then it picks up in, in Revelation chapter 11. Now I'm going to read these last few verses, then we're going to go to Revelation. Everybody still with me or did I lose you way back there someplace? I, I only see a few hands. I don't know. I know I'm giving you a lot of, I'm giving you a lot of overview stuff here and uh, just trying to tie up some loose ends here because it's not easy to understand. But if you do understand, you know what's going on in the world and you know why it is and how things are developing. And uh, nothing just makes you freaked out, you know, and say, oh, what's going to happen here and there? Because God's getting ready to uh, come back for his people. I'm going to read here in this seventh verse again. This is 12-7 of Daniel. I'm going to finish up with Daniel. And I heard a man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand, and heaven swear by him that liveth forever and ever shall be for time, times and half a time. And when he shall have... Uh, accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, accomplished to have scattered them. All these things shall be finished. Okay. And he goes on saying, I heard but understood not. This is Daniel talking. Then said I, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the end of time. Many shall be purified, made white, and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. That's why that you, will, you understand these things because of the word of God. The word of God helps us to understand why these things are all the way they are. And then he goes on to say in the last verse, I'll read the last verse. But go thy way till the end, end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. Now, I'm going to go to the book of Revelation here because that's where we left off last time I was here a couple of, a couple of weeks ago and uh, talk to you a little bit about this 11th chapter here. And if you look at 11.1 with us again for just a moment, 11.1, and that was given me a reed like unto a rod and the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar therein and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, measure it not for it's given unto the Gentiles. So we're leaving out the time of the Gentiles now. The time of the Gentiles has run its course here. And, uh, I think that was the last, yeah, I think I'm through with it. Anyhow, it had run its course. And so whenever it has finished, then it will be time for the Lord to restore Israel. Now, you say, where's the rapture in all of this? The rapture will have taken place before we even get to this part in the book of Revelation. We only look at Revelation because it shows us what's going to happen immediately after the book, after the, uh, the rapture of the church. Folks, and I, my message to you and all of you is be ready. Be ready for the coming of the Lord. Be ready for the coming of the Lord. And the Lord's coming is not very far away. And he says, when you see all these things come to pass, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And we see a lot of things going on. Over in the Hosea 6.2, it says that Israel should be blinded for two days. And then the third day I'll raise her up. Israel is, is God's time clock. It's not the church. It's Israel. And we can look at Israel and know about where we are. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. That's why when the Lord told Adam and Eve, if you eat of this fruit, the day that you eat this fruit, you shall surely die. But they didn't die in that 24-hour day. They lived to be almost a thousand years, but nobody's ever lived beyond a thousand years. Methuselah lived to be 969 years. He was a grandson. That's a great grandson or something. 
and, uh, and Noah lived to be 930 years, but nobody lived beyond a thousand, but a thousand years is that one day with God, and one day was, was a thousand years. And uh, so with that in mind, when Hosea 6.2 says, Israel shall be blinded, or Israel shall be scattered for two days, and on the third day I'll raise her up. We know that it's time for the Lord to come back. This is the year 2000 now we're in. We've already had 2000 years since Jesus, since zero date, which is supposed to be around the birth of Christ. Christ was born uh, around four, between four, about four and a half years BC. And they don't quite know it's sort of a, like this thing, you know. But nevertheless, I'm just sort of giving you here a heads up on it. So when the Bible tells us these things, then we know that it's time for us to get ready to meet the Lord. now. In the book of Revelation, rapture having already taken place, it says here in this verse two, but the court which is without the temple leave out, 11, two, measure it not for it's given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot 40 and two months. Again, there's three and a half years. And so uh, this mention here, this is the first place that it picks up in the Revelation any kind of a date. So what you have then is uh, what we were just showing you a while ago. Let me get back to this. Yes, where is it? This part of the book of Revelation that deals with the restoration of Israel and is called Daniel's 70th week because the 70th was not fulfilled in the, up until the days of Christ as the others were. And so this is the last seven years that Israel has to, for them to be brought into God's full grace. So in that 11th chapter, and this right here says chapters 11 and 13, in this 11th chapter here is where these two prophets come back. Now, I've got about just about 10 more minutes here. Give me your undivided attention. I'm gonna show you something here in the Bible. If you're in chapter 11, look with us very closely here. These two witnesses, verse four, the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before God of the whole earth. It just identifies them. And it goes on to say down in here that they, it shall be as the, and I won't get into this because I talked about it last time, but it, was, it would be Moses and Elijah. And I gave you all kind of evidence on that the last time in verse six. In verse seven, when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall, shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them and their dead bodies shall lie in the street, that great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Gomorrah. What is that? Well, the next line tells us, where also our Lord was crucified. So we know that was, it's speaking of Jerusalem here. And they of the people and the kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. They preached for three and a half years and turned the hearts of Israel back to God. That's what their testimony will be. The testimony will be, Israel, listen to us. Jesus was your Messiah. He was your Messiah when he came. And I won't read these verses again, but over in Hosea and Zechariah, rather, over in the 14th chapter, it talks about the Lord turning them, 12th chapter it is, that he turns their hearts back to, to the Lord. And they will begin to preach to these Jewish people, to tell these Jewish people that Jesus Christ was your Messiah. And when these Jewish people will hear that, then they're going to repent, get on their faces before God and pray. Uh, there's a Jewish guide, I, I won't talk a whole lot about him, but he's one of the best guides in Israel. And I 
been to Israel all together about three times. But he's the one that uh, your pastor really likes. He's become very close friends with him. And this man was, uh, uh, he was a special agent for the government. Uh, he is uh, equivalent to the Navy SEALs uh, here in America, but he's, he's Israeli. And uh, he's, you know, he's, I don't know what, how old he is, 50-ish, 50 years old, 60s, I don't know, somewhere right in there. But uh, he, told, he told my son, he says, I have ignored Jesus being the Messiah for so many years, but I keep seeing it in the scriptures and I'm giving tour guides to these people that are Christians that come over here like you and you know about these things and you talk about them in front of me and you, and you, you worship when you hear certain verses and I go to those verses and I read them in the, in, in the Old Testament he's talking about. And he said, I've come to the place where I can't ignore it much longer. He said, I, I have come to the place where that I'm really seeing that Jesus is Messiah. And I think the last time, I did not go on their last trip, but the last trip, I think my son said that, uh, that he, he said, you know what? He said, I, I'm, I am becoming a believer. Jesus is Messiah. And that's quite a bit coming out of him. This man is a very notorious person and he's known all over Israel, very much so. Uh, this, is, this is how well he's known. There were some, uh, some tours that were standing in front of this place where you go in and see the, the grave of Jesus and all that, the tomb of Jesus. And there were some Arab young men outside just standing around talking and sitting around outside. And the, these tours, one of them, they were from England. One of them uh, started to go in and his wallet was gone. Wallet was gone, and one of those Arab boys had grabbed his pickpocket him and took off. And Ian was there, and uh, he went over there and he said to you guys, he says, which, which, who took the, the wallet? He said, go tell him if he don't get back here right now and bring that wallet back, I'm coming after him. They said, we'll go get it. And so they went and they waited. This guy went and got the wallet and brought it back and gave it to him because he didn't want to have trouble with this guy, this guy that was our tourist guy who had been a Navy SEALs guy. They knew who he was, you know. So I'm just trying to tell you, this is the kind of guy. And for this fellow to say, Jesus Christ, I'm beginning to see he is the Messiah. And so I'm just saying, folks, that it's coming to the place where that Israel is going to start having their eyes open. But the time will really happen whenever it comes into the book of Revelation, the 11th chapter. And these, these years are not long. This book of Revelation that I show you on chart, these are just, they're very short years. This is a seven-year period. Beyond that, it's uh, how long? Uh, maybe three years, two years, five years. I have no idea. But nobody knows. But I'm just trying to say it's closer than we think, and this period of time will be shorter than we think. Let me finish reading here because I know my time's getting away here. These two men will give their testimony. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Their dead bodies shall lie in the streets. And that's what we've got lying here. This is the dead body lying in the street and everything. Shall lie in the streets for three days and uh, then they'll be brought up and then they'll rise and so forth. Uh, I won't read any more of these because I've read the scriptures here. Uh, and so from here on then, there was a, a change in all of this. Things begin to happen. And then, then down in verse seven, 15, it says, and the seventh angel sounded. 
And that's whenever it said that the seventh angel sounded the mystery of God should be finished. And what it means is that from here on, the Lord is going to allow the Antichrist to have his day. Now, let me just talk to you for a few moments here. Uh, the Antichrist will come and while Israel is turning back to God for three and a half years, the Antichrist will be gaining momentum in the world. Just like Adolf Hitler did in Germany before World War II, he rose to power, you know, just rose to power. And uh, so will also the Antichrist. And uh, he'll gain control. Nobody knows who he is, but he'll gain control of the whole world. He'll bring, for, he'll bring together the Muslim religion, the Christianity, that will be in existence still at that time, some form of Christianity, some form of Christianity, whatever it is. A heathenism it will be at that time. He'll bring all that together, and, uh, and these people will worship the Antichrist. And they will think, some of them think he's the Messiah. With the Muslims, they will think he's the Mahdi, the Mahdi. And many of you don't know who the Mahdi is, but with a segment of the Muslim people, they believe that they have a Messiah that's coming back as well. In fact, they believe he's still here. They believe he's here in the, in the earth and he's here in the world. And he is the, what they call the 12th Imam. I won't get into detail on that. But anyhow, he's called the, the Mahdi. And they are looking for him and they believe that he will come forth when the world is in chaos or when the world looks like it's just about ready to get in chaos that he's gonna show up. This is why there's a segment of Muslims that they wanna see chaos. They wanna see it because they believe it would bring back their Mahdi. It's the Shiite, the Shiite group, out of, uh, especially out of Iran. They're, they're all over the Middle East, but mostly Iran. And uh, so they are, uh, there's a certain segment of the Shiites, it's called the 12th Imam Shiites. And they believe that the Mahdi is the 12th Imam, he never died, he lived in nine, 900 AD and never died and he's up in a mountain someplace and it's, it's, it's their story, you know. But I'm just telling you all of that to let you know that the Antichrist is gonna have all of these things that he's gonna be built on. There's gonna be all kinds of miracles and things that happen that make people believe that this guy is either the Messiah or he is the Mahdi. And they're gonna follow, the whole world's gonna follow him and the Jewish people are going to be like us Christians. They're gonna be the persecuted ones then. The Jewish people do not like to hear that. They feel like we've been persecuted. We don't need any more persecution. This will be their last element of it though. It'll only be for three and a half years. Uh, I've had Jewish people who have come to this church to visit. And if I'm ever teaching and I mention about anything like that, they may have been coming for six months, but they usually don't like to hear that because they think Israel has suffered enough. Israel is going into the thousand years of peace, but they're not there yet because they have yet to go through this last three, three and a half year period. And it is going to be the last part of this Daniel 70 weeks. This is the part I'm showing you here. The Antichrist will rule all the world for three and a half years. Uh, there'll be, uh, God will, uh, uh, there'll be the, the, the man-child Jews that will rise to power, be Jewish people that will stand for Israel and ribbon and Jews slain and so forth. The Harley church will be destroyed. There will be the seven vials poured out upon the earth and so forth. And at the end of that period of time, and that's at the 19th chapter. And I won't go into all the details of all these other things that will be happening. It'll be judgments of all type, but in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation, and I'm finishing up now, 
there will be the coming of the Lord back for, uh, I mean, with his church. He comes back here with it, back at the beginning. It's not on this chart. But he comes back with his church at the rapture. He comes back, uh, he comes back for his church, and he comes back at Armageddon with his church. He will come with ten thousands of his saints. And the Bible says that he will come back, and whenever he does, every eye shall see him. Every tongue shall confess. And uh, I'll read 19.11 to you. And I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was faithful and true. And in righteousness he thus judged and made war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man could read, no but him. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, which identifies him. His name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Who are they? If you look down in, uh, if you look back over in verse eight, and to her, that is the church, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And I'll go ahead back to verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horse, clothed in fine linen, white, clean. And out of his mouth was a sharp two-edged sword. Of course, this is, I'm sure, very symbolic that with it he might smite the nation and he rule them with a rod of iron. Everything that Daniel saw over in chapter two and also in chapter seven about the coming of the Lord is all fulfilled right here. And the fierceness of the wrath of God, verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and his thigh name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords and so forth. Then it talks about the fowls that would be gathered and all the slain of the wicked and so forth. It talks about the false prophet that would be killed and the and the beast and the antichrist and all that be wiped out and the Lord will set up a kingdom that will last for a thousand years on this earth and you and I will be with the Lord in a glorified body. Amen. What kind of body will we have in the, in the rapture? We'll have a glorified body. We do not yet know how we shall appear but we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? Yeah. Folks, live for God above everything. Live for God. Praise God. Would you stand with me? Our time is gone. God bless you. You've been a great audience. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. We ask you to bless the morning service this morning. Be with us, God, as we worship and glorify your holy name, Lord. Bless this class and all things we praise you in Jesus' name.